This is uh, quarterback Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina. You're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. I got to join the show. It sounded sounds a lot of fun. Dusty Toto Warhawk Report, Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record, Jeremy MIA as always. Shane, it's it's getting closer to the start of the season, and we know that because starting quarterbacks are getting named. The preview of who could possibly be in Mobile for the Senior Bowl is out. Which one of those are you more excited about? Probably the quarterbacks, because I, you know, the the Senior Bowl, I'll start to get a little bit uh, more into it when the season's over and we start talking more about draft and stuff. But it is it is interesting, I guess, to see who's on the radar there as far as Sunbelt guys um, that we may be talking about in the NFL someday. But for the here and now, I'm definitely more interested in the quarterbacks probably because we're just days away from seeing these guys take the field. And, and it's interesting to me, maybe because of proximity, Viva La Bucats have not named a starting quarterback yet. Is, is that, you think, a concern, knowing that they're headed into Baylor with no real leader, so to say, behind uh, center? Or do you think it's still game-time decision is fine? I, I mean, I don't know what, uh, you know, Gary Joe typically does. I didn't follow him close enough at uh, Incarnate Word to know if, like, this is typical, like, to just not name a starter any sooner than he has to. You know, maybe they don't want – Maybe with all the new faces there, they don't want Baylor to necessarily know who who they're preparing for. Um, I know that's kind of the situation in Harrisonburg with JMU. Like, they have a starter picked, I'm pretty sure, but they haven't named it, and they probably won't until about an hour before game time if they do it like last year. Um, so I don't know <laughs> whether it's a big deal or not at Texas State is the uh, more concise way to say that. Well, and it was an easy choice when he was an incarnate word. I mean, he had Lindsey Scott Jr. You weren't going to beat him. I mean, that'd be like Tim Beck saying, eh, McCall, no, you, you you just stay over here on the sideline, put on a hat and, and a headset. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, like, what his, you know, thought process is. I would guess he has a way he's leaning at this point in the season. If he doesn't, then that is the area of concern. But, um, yeah, I really don't know if he's one of those coaches that would – you know, try to keep that under wraps or not. We'll, we'll learn more about him the longer he's in the Sun Belt, I guess. But we do have a leader down in Hattiesburg as they have named their starting quarterback, Billy Wiles, the transfer. What are your thoughts there as the the Golden Eagles still trying to find a quarter? I mean, the, it felt like this has been a com- kind of common theme for them even before they got into the Sun Belt, was who was going to be that guy behind center for them? Yeah, and, you know, we don't know enough about either him or Holman Edwards, the two transfers they brought in, to know, I guess, what caliber they are as Sun Belt quarterbacks. Neither one played a whole lot coming from Clemson and Houston. Um, But I would just have to think that having two of those guys that – must be at least somewhat capable is an improvement over last year 
and the year before having so many injuries and departures and other things that you end up playing your running back quarterback about half the time. Um, and it worked. Think, yeah, but but that's tough. That's a tough situation. I mean, if those if if Wiles and or Edwards are at least serviceable, I th- think that Southern Miss has to be you know at least thinking bowl game this year just with everything else they have, you know, Frank Gore included. I mean, if you've got a quarterback who doesn't make too many mistakes and you've got the super back behind him, I think your offense should be in pretty good shape, especially if your defense is, is decent. Shifting gears over to the East Marshall Cam Fancher, we know is going to be their, their leader that was out even at Sunbelt media days uh, months ago. It feels like now. Do you feel that there's maybe some lingering hangover from his performances last year, or do you feel that it's a fresh start and and this is a new venture that we see for the herd? I mean, I thought he was fine last year. I mean, not he's not a superstar. He's not Grayson McCall, but I thought he was what Marshall needed of him as a guy who took over midway through the season last year. And if Jeremy wasn't abandoning us, he, he would – disagree with me uh he's not too high on fancher or marshall but i feel like he'll be fine i don't i'm not expecting him to be all conference but i think he can put marshall in a decent position back to the west louisiana lafayette names woldridge as their starting quarterback a lot of fans a lot of uh people on the good old interwebs they want zeon chris and and i tend to agree with them that i thought chris just on the the three games that I saw last year of him warming up on the sidelines and seeing some mop-up duty and things like that, he was legit. Now, I, I don't know how the the muscle between the ears is for him, but physically, his passing, his physique, he's, uh, he, he's the real deal. He passes all the eye tests. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't forget about Chandler Fields either. I feel like, um, I feel like they have some depth at quarterback, maybe – you know, like talking about Cam Fancher, maybe none of them are superstar quality like some of the guys in the league, but I feel like they've probably got to feel pretty good about their quarterback situation after so many injuries in the past year. I think they got to feel like they can probably get through the season with one of these guys. Just north of Lafayette and Monroe, it's going to be Jira Wright. Again, another named starter that we knew about from Sunbelt Media Days. Behind him, though, Hunter Harrington, a guy from Monroe that transferred from the Cajuns back home. After that, it's it's a, a huge question mark. They do have Blake Murphy coming in, the three-star rivals prospect from South Florida. But if we lose a quarterback in Monroe, it's it's going to be slim pickings, and that offense is definitely going to take a huge hit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about the depth in Monroe, but I, it just seems like, like you said, um, you don't want to see an injury to right if you're for the Warhawks. I think one of the more curious ones in the East is going to be Davis Brin, the Tulsa transfer at Georgia Southern. I think that that he can do some good things. Now, I think that Van Trees last year set the bar of what we expect out of a transfer quarterback for the Eagles, but I have no idea if Davis Brin is going to be the guy that can live up uh, to that expectation and fill those shoes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Van Trees was so good, and he was um, 
he was pretty well established coming in. I mean, Bryn is too, but I don't think his stats or anything were quite as good as Van Trees coming in. I mean, if they can, you know, strike gold two times in a row with these transfer quarterbacks, then uh, I think they've got the program in pretty good shape faster than we kind of expected when they were switching everything up with the, with the new staff. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, we, we went into it last year going, well, Georgia States, I mean, Georgia Southern is going to field a competitive team, but no idea what they're going to look like, not knowing really how their offensive line was, was going to adjust to go into the more spread type offense, but it worked out. They were uh, definitely the the big surprise team in my eyes of the Sun Belt last year. But I, I still feel like we don't really know what they're going to look like coming in this year as well. Yeah, it's similar. I mean, I think I, I think, you know, maybe they've earned the benefit of the doubt a little bit more after last year. Because um, last year, my main my main concern for them was, you know, how do you like just completely change your total identity that the program has been for decades in one season, but I guess with the transfer portal, it it's more possible than I gave him credit for. In the good old ATL with Georgia State, I think this year they're just like last year. They're going to ride or die with Darren Granger. Darren Granger threw every pass last year, 58% completion, 18 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I couldn't tell you what's behind there. And, and and I don't think anyone else can in Atlanta either. Maybe there's a reason it's Darren Granger, ride or die. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy there. He seems like he's been the guy there for – I mean, it's only been three years, but it seems like it's been longer than that. Um, you know, one thing is interesting. I kind of wrote about this earlier today. I did see he's put on at least 25 pounds. I mean, he was a skinny guy run, and dual threat who takes some hits. Uh, you know, maybe that's going to be a good thing for for – Georgia state when they rely on him so heavily, we talked about what teams are going to do if there's an injury. He somehow survived these past two years being, you know, six, four and 195 pounds. You would hope if you're Georgia state, that the added muscle will add to his game and add to his durability. Is it a flex that head coach Ricky Ronnie of old dominion just kind of casually. Yeah. Uh, Grant Wilson will be our starting quarterback. And, and didn't really make a good uh, big announcement about it. Just, yeah, that's our guy. He had a good camp. And then this is a guy that's a transfer from FCS Fordham where he was a backup there. Yeah, I I wouldn't call it a flex. I, I mean, Ricky Ronnie during the spring um, conference press call more or less promised that he was still going to bring in another transfer quarterback and it never happened. And now all he's got on the roster are some guys who transferred from lower level programs and didn't really play there. This isn't like, um, this isn't like a FCS all American moving up because he tore that place up. I mean, he couldn't get on the field at Fordham. That's, I would be worried if I was an ODU fan right now about the quarterback situation, but People have surprised in the past, so we'll, we'll see. But I will say this. They do have the advantage that Kevin Decker, who was Fordham's offensive coordinator, is now OC with the Monarchs. So maybe there's a little bit of a quickness to that learning curve and adjustment that it's going to be the same offense coming in. So maybe it's the good fit for him. Yeah, I mean, that can't hurt. But he's also the guy who didn't 
put him on the field at, at Fordham. So maybe, maybe he knew something there. I mean, obviously he probably wanted to, uh, that relationship probably has something to do with them both being there, but it's still, it, it's, it's the biggest question mark at quarterback. I'd say in the entire, in the entire Sunbelt right now. I think the other thing, and, and, and I've looked and I have not seen an official announcement. Who's lead, who's leading the nears. I mean, traditionally it's, it's an easy answer of, Oh, it's chase Bryce, chase Bryce gone. Who's, who's stepping up to fill those shoes. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the announcement yet either. And it's um like you said, it's been Chase Bryce's team. I mean, it seems like going into last year, we were talking about Grayson McCall and Chase Bryce in the same breath, just as those two guys in this league. And yeah, that's, you know, I said biggest question mark maybe at ODU, but you know, they have at least named their starter. Maybe, uh, maybe App State is a bigger question mark because we don't even know really exactly who is going to be there. My vote is for, uh, as the guys over at uh, one of the Sunbelt Twitter accounts, the Lettuce Showdown, Mason McHugh, the true freshman coming in from IMG, he's he's got the great head head of lettuce. That's my vote. They also have Ryan Berger that I've seen sign the big NIL deal there with a local restaurant where they have the uh, App State Burger play on his name. Maybe that's who we're looking at is is. Burger getting the NIL deal as a, a tip of the cap for him being the starter. That would probably be a safe guess maybe with the NIL deal. Although if I was like a prospective college athlete at this point, I might even think about changing my name in high school to something that would uh, lead to that kind of good uh, NIL deal. Cause that seems to be a good path to a little bit of money. If you have a name that works with some company. The coldest. The coldest exactly. Yeah. yeah. The governor. We'll have a fair share of quarterbacks to choose from backing up Carter Bradley, the senior that had transferred from Toledo. He has another transfer, Bishop Davenport, who had transferred in from Utah State. And then several others that are there. Tanner McGee, a redshirt junior. You got to think that it's going to be that D1 experience, though, with the Utah State Bishop Davenport backing up Carter Bradley. But with that solid offensive line, I would be surprised if anything happens to Bradley and and we even know who the backup quarterback is for the Jags. Yeah, uh, I mean if you're a uh, USA fan, you don't even you don't even want to know who your backup quarterback is at this point. Like you just want to see Carter Bradley uh lead you to a conference championship, which I think he's capable of doing. It's like knowing the name Travis Drosos, their long snapper, a name you never want to hear again ever. Yeah. So with all of the quarterbacks there, we also mentioned that the Reese Senior Bowl announced their preseason watch list. Some names, no surprise. Nate Noel, the running back from App State. Grayson McCall, of course, of Coastal. Jalen White, Georgia Southern. Tyrone Howell of ULM. The Jags, LaDamian Webb, Carter Bradley, Yam Banks, and, of course, Frank Gore Jr. But as we kind of peel back a little bit, Troy actually sent three guys there on on the list. Reddy Stewart, the defensive back, uh, Javon Solomon, and Richard Jibonman, Jabuni. I know I butchered that, and Adam Prendergast, SID, will definitely uh, hit me up on that one. But I was kind of surprised to see the Jags with five, and yet Troy coming in with largely that same team from last year with only three representatives. 
does the mobile location have anything to do with it? I don't know, but uh, have something to do with just, you know, what classes your guys end up being. Um, you know, Troy's got some seniors. Some of them are guys that I not necessarily would consider their top pro prospects compared to some of the other places, but, but who knows how, how it ends up getting selected. And I think these watch lists are nice for publicity and kind of getting everybody to remember that the senior bowl is going to happen, but um, a lot can happen this season that might change. Who ends up getting invited there too. All that great talk about the senior bowl, but one of the first games on week one is South Alabama goes to the big easy to take on Tulane, the, the darlings of the G five last year. And we had Gary on from roll wave part of the rivals network to give us a breakdown and a little insight there of the Tulane Green Wave as we get ready for them to play not only South Alabama, but Southern Miss as well. Tibbs, you may or may not know this, but there are a handful of college programs that are playing multiple Sunbelt programs this year. One of them is Army, but also playing a pair of Sunbelt opponents is Tulane. The number one group of five team ranked this year, number 24, which I think is a little bit outrageous, but I'll let that slide for a while. Winners of the Cotton Bowl last year, something like 46-45 against USC. Am I right? Yep. Right. Thrilling game. Losers of two games all year. One of those. Southern Miss, who they, Tulane plays in week three. But Tulane <laughs> has an interesting three weeks to start off. They start off with maybe the toughest out in the Sun Belt, the South Alabama. Mm-hmm. Then they play Ole Miss, ranked number 22. Are they really ranked number 22? I don't know. It's Ole Miss, right? But they'll, they'll be tough. And then they go down to Southern Miss, that team I mentioned before, who had the stroke of luck. I believe it was like three-point win over Tulane. Joining us to discuss Tulane is Jerry Smith who is Tulane beat reporter for the Times-Picune New Orleans Advocate. Is that all one? That's one title, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can add <laughs> NOLA.com, too. We we, we, uh, we we have multiple names for, for, for what we do these days. I so. got NOLA.com here. I also have publisher of the yeah. WaveReport.com for, for the Rivals Network. Gary, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you taking some time and sorting out some of this, not necessarily a mess, although we're going to discuss a mess in a minute. But I want to know a little bit about what we're going to see from Tulane. We know that your quarterback is coming back, Michael Pratt, thrower of 3,000 yards in 27 TDs. I mean, the running back moved on to the NFL, the lead running back. I don't know if Tulane's reloading, if the green wave has some some guys up their sleeve. Tell us what we can expect from Tulane. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a different team this year. You mentioned the key, Michael Pratt, coming back. I know Florida made a a huge bid for him with with a nice little NIL offer um, that a lot of people – and and I used to – I covered Florida. I'm a graduate of the University of Florida. I covered Florida for – 18 years. Um, so I had some sources that were telling me that it was a done deal, not that their sources were telling them that it was a done deal that he was going to Florida. And I told him, that's not quite what I've heard, but we'll, we'll see how it works out. And then he decided to stay. So, so that was huge, but Tulane, which opens against South Alabama, um, which returns almost everybody, South Alabama, Tulane's a little different. They, their top five tacklers departed, including their star linebackers, Dorian Williams and, and Nick Anderson. Um, their Ty J Spears, the running back, who's 
probably one of the best running backs I've ever seen. I mean, he, he just had an unbelievable year last year, had a 33 yard touchdown for the Tennessee Titans in their preseason. He's gone. Um, Tulane's going to be relying on just the talent base that they brought in under, under Willie Fritz. It's going to be like, I think this year, the strength of the team is going to be the defensive line on, on defense. Cause they, that's the one area they returned everybody and their two deep depth chart returned back. The key play in the cotton bowl was a safety, <laughs> which Patrick <laughs> Jenkins, um, it was basically the only way Tulane could have won that game. They were, they were, they were down eight. Um, they couldn't stop USC at all. They needed to get a safety so that they could get the ball back and have their offense go down the field and score a touchdown. And Patrick Jenkins, their, their defensive tackle, got got penetration, got the safety. I think he's going to lead the defense this year. But it, it'll, it'll be interesting. The, Tulane really is a different team this year than last year. And they've also, this is the first time in the history of the school that Tulane has been picked to win any league in the preseason, <laughs> ever. Um, not not so, even in the SEC days? So, back so in the not even in the SEC days. <laughs> What did they have media preseason polls back then? I I can't actually tell you, but uh, um, so it it'll be interesting to see how this Tulane team reacts to to that sort to that sort of pressure. But but um, they're they're definitely relying. Michael Pratt's going to play a much bigger role in the passing game than he had to last year, even with 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 Ty J Spears. Tulane's always run well under Willie Fritz. They've got about five candidates to replace Ty J Spears, but they don't have a Ty J Spears. That guy was a true unique player. So Tulane's going to have to do it. It's going to have to be a team effort this year to to reach those preseason expectations. You know, you mentioned Willie Fritz, a former citizen of the Sun Belt, came from mm-hmm. Georgia Southern, brought his wild style of of play back to uh, Tulane. It's worked marvelous. But I'm more interested, why did Pratt decide to stay at Tulane? What was it about Tulane that he said, I got to stay here, I got I to ride this green wave? He's sort of a different individual. He was he was homeschooled growing up. He he never played football until his freshman year of, of high school. Um, huh. And he kind of had to convince his play, parents that to get where he needed to go, he needed to he needed to, to, to go to school. And he's very loyal. Um, he just he 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 feels like Tulane made his name he he's been at he was at Tulane he wants that he wants that degree he wants that um and and he, and he ultimately decided that that he, the grass wasn't greener any anywhere else it was definitely it wasn't your typical decision in, in my, where everybody's leaving for a power five program at the drop of a hat if if if, if they're offered but he really and, and then the other key was his center sincere Haynes sincere Hainsworth who's first team all conference he went he walked on senior day last year but then he kind of found out he wasn't he might not get drafted and he decided to come back for that extra COVID year because he started all four years his fifth year. Um, and Pratt said once he saw Sincere Hainsworth was coming back a, a, as his center, that that kind of sweetened, sweetened the deal for him to, to, to stay. But it is, it's definitely unusual in modern college football that a, that a quarterback like Pratt would would stick it out. It's the power of the streetcars, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. Tulane had the designation winning the American last year as being the G5 representative in the New Year's Six. I still don't think the American was really one of the G5s. I don't think Tulane really is amongst the G5. But when you when you look at that historical season, how does that compare to that 98-12-0 ranked 7th in the nation season? It's it's different. You, you first of all, that nineteen ninety eight team, Sean, came, the, the offense was unstoppable back then. Um, that that was before people had figured out the no huddle spread offense that Rich Rodriguez brought to to Tulane. It never worked quite as well for Rich Rodriguez <laughs> anywhere else. Um, but 
that 1998 team that went 12 and 0 did not play a single team that got a point in the final AP top 25 poll after the, after the bowl games. So they didn't, they were a juggernaut on offense, but we never really got to find out what they could do against a really, really good football team. Cause they just didn't, they didn't, they didn't play any really good football teams that year. Last year, obviously Tulane, the third week of the, to the second week of the year, Tulane goes on third week of the year, Tulane goes on the road, plays Kansas state. Now nobody knew how good Kansas state was going to turn out to be, but Willie Fritz had never beaten a power five school in his coaching career. He'd had tons of near misses and Tulane <laughs> went to Kansas state Tajay Spears was injured in that game, was basically just used as a decoy, and Tulane won on defense 17 to 10 and just out physical, a uh, physical football team. And you could tell that day that, that this was a different team. So you could make a case that last year was more impressive because of what Tulane did. They beat the eventual Big 12 champion on the road. They beat the three teams that were leaving the American Athletic Conference for the Big 12, Cincinnati, wow. UCF, <laughs> um, um, and Houston. Um, and then they, of course, had the incredible game against USC in, in the Cotton Bowl. So I, you you could make a strong case that that, that last year was, was more impressive just because of, of who Tulane beat. Great wins, but somehow a loss against Southern Miss. What happened at Southern Miss? Well, the Will, the Will Hall factor. I mean, Will, <laughs> Will Hall can coach. Will Hall was Tulane's offensive coordinator before he went to Southern Miss. He recruited most of these players on wow. offense. He recruited Michael Pratt. He has a great relationship with Willie Fritz. I, I think that gave him a little extra incentive. And and then the other thing that happened in that game, which usually happens when a t- team loses like that, there were two block kicks. They blocked a punt that oh. turned into a touchdown, and they blocked a field goal. I believe those were the only two block kicks that Tulane gave up all year. Pratt injured his shoulder in the fourth quarter and then threw a pick six that cemented the win and then didn't even play the next week against Houston because he couldn't, he could barely throw. So there was a combination of factors, but the main thing I think was Will Hall. <laughs> he he had his team ready for that. And I think his familiarity with the players on the Tulane roster helped a little bit that day. Well, will the green wave be sort of focused on regaining their <laughs> regaining some of their uh their their or that glory what am i looking for some of their dignity back from so uh southern miss or are they just looking at southern miss as a blip and they're just going to move on through the the, the, well, the first four weeks of the season trying to get their through. mantra last year and it got nauseating but it was act it, it worked for him was um one and oh every week that was uh, no what you asked them about looking ahead, they would say, all we want to do is w- go one and zero in practice today, one and zero in the game. And, 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 and a lot of the Michael Pratt was one of the big leaders of that. He's back. So they're certainly, they won't talk about overlooking anybody. And after what happened, because Tulane has a history in the past of falling flat on its face after big wins. And at, so they just beaten Kansas state looked like they'd finally turned the corner under Willie Fritz. And then they come home and lose to Southern Miss and fans were like a same old, same old Tulane. So they will. And, and then they, they proved everybody wrong pretty fast after that. But I believe uh, they come up with a pretty big string of victories after that. Yeah. In fact, the next week and Pratt was injured that game. They went and they went and played at Houston, which was the preseason conference favorite. Yeah. The very first series of that game, Justin Ibietta, they're, second string quarterback who was in for Pratt um, tore his tore it separated his labrum. And so they had to go to their third string quarterback, Kai Horton. 
and he delivers an overtime victory. And when they, they had to get a touchdown to tie it late in regulation, he drove them all the way down the field. They had to make a two point conversion. They, they made the two point conversion and then they won in overtime. And that, that win was really the turning point where you thought, wow, this is, <laughs> this is a different, this is a different football team. And that was the week after Southern Miss, but yeah, no, they, they won't forget that Southern Miss loss. Um, And, and that the, the question is going to be, is either team going to survive? Cause you know, that game scheduled for the mid afternoon in, in <laughs> September. And then last time I checked, it's been a hundred degrees in the South every, every, every freaking day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, may, so, we might all be burned off the face. Yeah, of the that, that, that'll be a war of attrition. <laughs> Literally the Sun Belt. The rumors were always there that Tulane was going to make the jump to the Big 12. What are your thoughts on that? And, and is that maybe a way that the green wave can kind of sit back and say, hey, we finally made it. We're now in the P5. Well, the Tulane... Tulane didn't go to the Big 12. They're still in the American Athletic Conference. Um, fans want them out of the American Athletic Conference, but there's really just no there's no good options right now. The, the talk is that the, the four discarded Pac-12 teams might invite Tulane and a bunch of American Athletic Conference teams into a new league. And I don't I think that's a t- for a variety of reasons. I think that's a terrible idea. I yeah, mean, here's what I'm hearing. That, that natural me... Tulane Washington State rivalry in Pullman or I mean uh, in, in Oregon. I, mean, I don't see where the advantage is. The, the only reason you do it is if you're afraid that a bunch of other teams in the conference are going to leave and then you're stuck in a in a lesser league. Well, but yeah, it, but that's that's the, the reality yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, here's what I'm yeah. But right now I think Tulane's in a better situation in the American Athletic Conference than they yeah. would be in, in in trying to join a completely dissolved Pac-12 with the leftover teams there. So so we'll see what happens. But it it is it's interesting. <laughs> um do you I, think I, the Sun Belt would ever be a fit for uh for the wave? It could be. I mean, but I don't think I mean, it, they're not going to leave the American Athletic Conference for the for the Sun Belt. Um they're they'll but it's chaos is coming guys. I mean, it's, it, oh, no nothing kidding. makes sense anymore. Regional regional doesn't matter anymore. Rivalries don't matter anymore. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Whatever teams are just getting schools are just going to make decision for, for monetarily what met most benefits their football program with no other consideration for anything else. See Gary, what I thought was kind of ironic and maybe you're, you're you being closer to it. You might have seen it differently, but looked at looked like at one time, the American was going to be the one poaching the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah. for this so hard. I was like, yes, yeah. Yeah. let's. I would love to see this happen. And then some judo happened, and suddenly mm-hmm. it was the other way around. Uh, and then now you're you, you kind of met, you mentioned it. There's this this idea that the Pack Four mm-hmm. and and elements of the American, which I I've heard. Memphis, I've heard Tulane, yeah. I've heard a couple others. SMU, Memphis, um, yeah. yeah, SMU mm-hmm. making this league, and but you're kind of you're right in that it rivalry doesn't matter, footprint doesn't matter, not anymore. The, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the I guess and the well, I guess the SEC's done okay, but these mm-hmm. other leagues have just said screw that, we don't care about the frequent flyer miles, we're just gonna yeah. go ahead and get it done, All right. Some of those leagues, they can afford it, but you, all the other sports, the Olympic sports, stuff like that, the travel, the travel expenses are obscene. <laughs> if you're trying to try, I, mean, I it just, I just don't, basketball doesn't matter in this equation at all anymore. Nothing matters except football. And I don't, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, if it becomes, I, I think schools better these schools better be very careful about where they were about what they're looking at yeah what have you got a tennis team what have you got a golf team what have you got a lacrosse yeah. team what yeah. have you got all these 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 non-income generating right 
programs that you got? I, I don't know. And I not to mention, and not to mention, the American Athletic Conference has a better TV package than the pack than the what the than the Pac-12 has right now. <laughs> they, I, all, all, all they could come up with it, what Apple TV or or something like that. So uh, yeah, I, I, just, I just I don't, saw a tweet today that that yeah. was pretty funny. It was, I think UMass and I forget uh, Conference USA team was playing in Week Zero, and they were going to be on prime time on ESPN. Meanwhile, USC was also playing, but you can only see it on the Pac-12 network. I mean, <laughs> right. which I guess nobody, that's in, why you nobody don't have in the country to... gets, basically. <laughs> so I guess that's how you get a Pac-4 is if you yeah, can't yeah. figure out how to get on a big network. Yeah. Gary, thank you for being on the show. We appreciate the insight. I know that you guys got a tough game against South Alabama. I forget. Is that a way or a home it's game? Home. It, it, it's home. Thank thank goodness it, it's, a, it's a night game. So, uh <laughs> Because um, Tulane <laughs> after that game, Tulane plays Ole Miss in the middle of the day in New Orleans um, for TV purposes, and then at Southern Miss in the middle of the day um, for TV yeah. purposes. The, they've got the, that South Alabama game will be at seven o'clock, so I don't think there'll be any players that actually die on the field. It'll be that. seven o'clock, but it's going to be humid as hell. So I'll oh, yeah, it'll still be it'll still be brutal, <laughs> just not just not with the sun beating down on them. <laughs> Gary, we wish you the best of luck. Drink plenty of water, and we'll catch back up with you. Okay. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Shane. At least Jeremy made an appearance on on the, this episode. I mean, it, it it was obviously a pre-recorded bit with him, but it was always great to hear about Tulane. Kind of the comparisons there of that '98 team that went 12 and 0, undefeated, number seven in the AP poll, and now kind of the love that they're getting with everybody really coming back from that green wave. The Sun Belt teams are going to have their hands full when they when they play the wave this year. Yeah, I mean, I love seeing these kinds of games on the schedule. I mean, obviously, the schedules are made so far in advance. You don't necessarily know that um, Tulane is going to be what they are, that you know, South Alabama, Southern Mill, all these teams are going to end up where they are. But I love seeing these kinds of games end up on the schedule with the best group of five teams and the best group of five conferences and teams from the top half kind of sorting things out a little bit. It, it's going to be huge to see these early on where you get to a chance to, uh, you know, kind of get an idea who's going to be in the running for that, you know, New Year's six bowl spot. Maybe we get a slight preview this upcoming weekend when Tulane heads to Mobile to face the Jags for the opener of volleyball. Or is that completely different, Shane? I don't know if it's going to tell us a whole lot, but hey, I mean, Mobile. New Orleans, they both got their Mardi Gras thing going on. Like they both got similar cultures. I say let's make this a rivalry across the board with Tulane and uh, South Alabama, and uh, you know enjoy that that whole weekend. You saying that just reminds me of when ULM athletic director John Hartwell had his introductory press conference, and he made a mention about I'm from Mobile, and you know that's the birthplace of Mardi Gras, and there was a collective just groan. I was like. You just lost all your fans over that statement. Maybe they need some sort of a rivalry trophy with like beads hanging off it or something to uh, get this game going every year. I like it. Another thing I like, plugs, promos, parting shots. Quick and easy there, Shane. What do you have? Uh, a plug, uh, DNR sports, DNR online slash sports. Uh, you know, you can read everything about JMU and uh, other teams around the Sun Belt. And I'll throw a parting shot at Jeremy for 
thinking his sleep is more important than uh, recording with us at night. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, in, in truth, good luck with him on his sleep study and uh, trying to uh, kick the snoring habit. I hope it works out for the class clown we have on our show. That's uh, that's one, one uh, adjective to describe him. My, my is actually going to be a prop. Maybe it's another P that we have. Props to the Needville, Texas Little League team representing the Southwest for U.S. in Little League. They got it done, beat the Northwestern team out of Washington. They are headed to the U.S. championships later in the weekend. Props to them. Excited to see uh, always the Southwest region, which was the region that I got to play in as a kid, excel and make it to the international stage there in Williamsport. Shane, we did it. We did it without Jeremy. Do we really we need him? I I don't know. Maybe when the when the big money rolls in, we might have to think about how we divide it up. But uh Or that's when he comes back. Yeah. But but until next week when we get ready to actually start week one of Sunbelt Conference Action, Dusty Thibodeau Warhawk Report, Shane Metlin of Daily News Record and MIA as always. I don't even remember his name of howraiser.com. <laughs>